because the culture is conditioning us. And this may sound really harsh, but it's conditioning us to not feel good about ourselves. It is not supporting our well-being. Um, yeah, so it's the layers that I think once understood, we can start to peel them back and get to the essence of who we really are, which is indeed beautiful. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Moira Gorski, and um, I always start by uh, saying thank you for coming back to listen. I do greatly appreciate you coming back and sharing this podcast with others. I certainly know that in the eating disorder world and um, there are struggles with body image and um, as well as lots of other struggles. And today I want to talk a little bit about that and, and introduce you to someone who I have met along the way and who is becoming a friend of mine who is really on the mission to help women, you know, just feel good about themselves and that we don't really need to apologize for how we look and it's not our fault and having all of these feelings, but it's not, and it's always, and it's not easy to have, um, to feel good about ourselves. So I'll start there, but um, Anne Andrews, who I'm bringing you today, she has worked for over 20 years with women. Uh, she's a clothing designer and a professional image coach. Um, and over those years of her career, she did notice this troubling pattern that, you know, women are uncomfortable with the way they look and, It um, brought some things up for her as she started to hear these stories about her own upbringing, and she's going to share that with us today. You know, it's just, again, it is sad, and I've been through it myself and continue to struggle at times with just our, you know, my appearance and how I feel and um, putting worth to that and, and whatnot. So before I go any further, welcome, Anne, to my podcast today. I'm really thrilled that you are here. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to be with you today. Yes, thank you. And um, as we were talking before I came on here, we came on here, I had seen a couple of months ago a documentary called Embrace. And it's really a great documentary. If you haven't seen it yet, I encourage you to to check it out. It was um, produced in 2016 by Taryn Brumfit. And she, um, you know, I'll let you go watch the the um, the documentary, but it it talked about you know, just this global issue of women and body loathing and just not feeling good about ourselves. And it really, um, she does such a wonderful job. And again, it's, it's sad, you know, that most women that she interviewed and met did not have a good concept of themselves, their body image. Now, again, in the eating disorder and um, addiction world, there are, again, um, this heightened awareness of that. There's you know, it's, it's, um, there's certainly our struggles there, but, you know, we're just going to talk today about just 
normal women like you and I and um, and the struggles and really what we can do to um, try to love ourselves um, past that. So, um, but as I say in this podcast, everybody has a story. And as Anne and I spoke about um, each other's work and how we could support each other, she shared a bit about her story. And so Anne, I'd love for you to start that in that place and share your story of some of your, again, what you what you talked about with your journey in life and your own um, concept of yourself and whatnot. So let's start there. All right. We'll start with my story currently, and then I'll, I'll backtrack to um, the, the thread that brought me to do what I do because I wasn't aware of it at first. You know, I think we're led along in life. And then we look back and go, Oh, I see now why I'm doing what I'm doing. So, as Mara said, I'm a clothing designer and I've been working one-on-one with women for many years. And um, I noticed this pattern that everyone felt uncomfortable with the way they looked. So at first I just went, oh, that's how women are. We criticize ourselves. But as I became more mature in myself and more aware of my story, I went, oh, this is something I need to look deeper into. So I did a deep dive into beauty But where this all started really was, I grew up in a family that didn't really talk much about looks. I was one of six, so um, my mom was way too busy to do all that stuff. (laughs) I had a sister who I perceived as being much prettier than I was. And when I look back on it, I go, it's because she looked more like the classic Barbie doll than I do. So I made a decision in my mind that I wasn't as pretty as her. Nobody ever really told me that. It's just a decision I made. And when I was 15, I was so uncomfortable in my body that I started cutting. And at the time, I didn't understand it. But later on, I realized cutting was a way that I could escape the density of my body because my spirit was hurting so much being inside it. I also had, I fasted two days a week. I was underweight anyway. I went through about a bulimia. So all of us have stories like this, or we have friends who have stories like this. And my work now is really taking a deep look into the why this is occurring and offering solutions to women how to break free from this conditioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's um, sometimes I think, you know, when we look at, um, you know, the way we feel today and whatnot, some people don't want to, you know, they say, well, the past is the past, right? We're past that. So we're going to move on to the future. But I think it's really important that we do look back and not to, you know, stay there in the past, but to look and and notice those things like you did, like notice something that happened that um, and why and learn from that. And um, in your case, you can learn from that and you can take that experience and then, you know, use that in your work of, um, you know, that, that, that you can understand women that you're helping that say, you know, I don't feel so good about here. This is this curve or what's this all about? And you can understand that more because of your experience. Well, and I think for all of us, and I understand what you're saying about looking back. Sometimes we don't want to, we don't think it's important, but I think what I've uncovered is if women really go into their history and understand the layers of conditioning, it's not just one or two incidences. It happens throughout our life. So when we can 
kind of document that in, in, in as detailed or, or, you know, cursory way as we want, we can begin to understand, oh my goodness, this has been going on ever since I was little in some form or other, because the culture is conditioning us. And this may sound really harsh, but it's conditioning us to not feel good about ourselves. It is not supporting our well-being. Um, yeah, so it's the layers that I think once understood, we can start to peel them back and get to the essence of who we really are, which is indeed beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I find that, um, although we were going to talk about this today, and I don't know enough about it, but there, you know, different cultures celebrate beauty and size in different ways. I just thought about that. You know, there are other cultures that it's okay to be you know, what Americans might consider overweight, you know, a larger, or even when Marilyn Monroe was around. I mean, she was a, would be considered a plus size model now, right? But she was worshiped, if you will, you know, for her beauty and for her curves and for her style. So it's interesting that different cultures and different times, you know, there was the Twiggy era, and then there's the you know, other era, you know, the Marilyn Monroe era. So there's different eras that Things change, but, and again, the way that we celebrate, you know, beauty changes. Well, this is, brings up something really interesting that I don't have an answer on. I have a lot of questions and I invite women to explore these questions with me. So when I think about Marilyn Monroe, I go, huh, is she an example of what was considered beautiful from a male perspective or a female perspective. And so what is driving this? And I think for myself, I've come to the to the knowing that we live in a patriarchal culture. I think most women can agree with that. But what's harder for us to accept is that we play into that by some of the things that we do. So again, I've never come from a place of right or wrong. This is all about exploring how did we get here? Because the fact that so many women feel terrible about the way they look says to me, okay, what's going on? (laughs) And sometimes we have to take a look at truths. I I had to learn in my own journey, huh, what am I participating in that doesn't really align with my values, right? Talking about other women and what they're wearing and, oh, she looks young for her age or she looks really bad for her age. I really realized that was participating in something that is not serving my well-being or the well-being of the other women I know. So this is a deep dive look and it is challenging. It's uncomfortable, but on the other side of it is like, that feels much better. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, it is a big, it's a big issue. So we can't, you know, we can't change it, you know, unpack it all and change it now. It's really, you know, we're just trying to bring some awareness to it and encourage other women to, you know, again, ask some questions and take a look because, um, and, you know, as I was speaking with somebody else this week, you know, so many times people say things and, you know, they don't even know the impact that it might have on someone. And it it might be that a grandmother says, oh, well, she's the chubby one or, you know, or the, you know, she, like you said, oh, she looks like a Barbie doll. And, and so then, 
you know, some people make those statements and they don't really mean anything perhaps derogatory from it, but it's how we, how we perceive it, how we take that, or, you know, they don't think that there's anything wrong with saying that, but, you know, or that sarcasm or things like that. I mean, it's just, it's so, like you said, it's really, really deep. And I, and I just know for myself that I continue to be, you know, I have to continue to work on being okay with me and the way I look and the fact that it's different than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And that's really okay. Right. In my experience, to address what you're talking about, women take negative comments and Velcro them to their belief. They might as well, in your example, with the aunt or the grandma saying, well, she's the chubby one, be wearing a post-it note that says, I'm the chubby one. So we, this is all unconscious patterning, but when we shine light on it, we can go, oh, that's part of why I feel so badly. This isn't even really true. And whose standards am I trying to live up to? Mm -hmm. And because um, I think in our culture, women, and I will say more than men, because uh, I'll go into this for one second. Men have more of a formula of what to wear. So they pretty much all look the same. So they have to prove themselves on other grounds, right? Like, because of fashion and we don't have a uniform or formula, it's nothing I'm uh, promoting, by the way. We stand out or not in different ways. Some of us are hiders because we don't want to play that game, but most of this behavior is unconscious. But because women are not all dressed in a formulaic way, we almost invite, again, neither bad nor good, we invite scrutiny on our looks and we all participate in this it's conditioning mm -hmm. so when I, I just created a course called permission to be beautiful because uh, it is my mission that all women have permission in in giving themselves permission to be beautiful um and I dive really deep in this and it's it's covering some of the topics that I'm talking about here but this whole thing about participation and the things that we say and the things we think about each other are just completely accepted by the culture, even though it's not serving our well-being. So that's what I'm really trying to unwind so that we can make conscious choices going forward on how we want to show up. Mm -hmm. And not only in what we say and think about ourselves, but in what we say and think about other women, because this is all connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I look forward to you sharing a few of those those tips with us. And again, I just can't, it's, you know, there's, you know, just keep hearing in my head, like it's the stories, you know, it's the stories that we, and it's the rackets. I took a, a course um, several years ago, uh, uh, Landmark which some may have taken if they're listening to this. And that was one of the things that they talked about is that the stories that we create in our head and the rackets that we run that, you know, again, what is it, what did it mean when, you know, I was chosen for, for, I wasn't chosen for this, but my sister was, or again, grandma said, oh, well, Moira, she always has a hard time with things. Like, what did I take that to believe, right? Someone said something and then I created a story that became, a truth, even though that it was a lie, 
but I made it the law, right? And it's just all of those things. And it's sometimes with body image or success in life or relationships that you have. Someone in that that um, particular course, I remember she said, you know, when she saw that her father put his suitcases by the front door and then he left, you know, she took that to believe that all men left, would leave. And so she went on to have tough relationships with men. She didn't trust them. And it was, you know, so it's those things that happen that um, we, like you said, it's a story that's created inside of our head and it continues, you know, it can continue on and not lead to a great path. Right. So with women, we have our personal stories, right? Grandma, grandma says you're the chubby one. That's a personal story. And then for women in our culture, we're always up against the ideal woman as the culture sees it. So to deconstruct all that is like, whoa, I am never going to look like that ideal woman ever. I never have. I never will. And the truth is I don't even want to. <laughs> right. At that point, I went, okay, we're making some progress here. Um, so it, it's, um, it, it's personal conditioning. It's also cultural conditioning. And when we can really understand how much that impacts us. We can start to let ourselves off the hook in the way we're feeling mm -hmm. and really go, take a deep breath and go, okay, I, I don't have to feel this way. I may not quite know what to do yet, but I don't have to feel this way. So mm -hmm. that's the good news. Right. And I love being, um, you know, having people like you and I had an, a, another friend who um, represented a product line and of clothing and um, she did a talk for a group of women of mine and we didn't talk about the clothes. We talked about dressing for your body type and it was so refreshing and so it was just really, you know, it was it was a great talk that she did because it helped women say, you know what, it doesn't matter if you're a four or a six or a 12 or a 20, like you have a certain body shape and a body type. And let's think about the, let's talk about the things that can help to accentuate your beauty, however, whatever size you are. And it was really refreshing. And we, all the women were like, wow, this was so helpful because, and I, and I'm, I'm assuming that that's something that you do with women too. You know, as you design clothing and as you help them with their image, you can help them, you know, dress for their type or their size, whatever they are at, at that point. Yeah. And again, this is something that is particular to one, to women as opposed to men. And I don't really like to create uh, binaries, but here we go. Men, whether they raise size, I don't know how men's sizing runs, but let's say small or extra large are going to be shown a shirt and a pair of pants and a jacket to wear, period. It doesn't matter what size they are. There are suits or shirts and pants to fit them. For women, it's a whole different story because our reference points is fashion and what we see on TV and in social media and with influencers and most of those clothes, many of us can't wear. So that's what creates the bind because we don't have this go-to thing to wear and all of a sudden we're saying, there's something wrong with me because I can't fit into that dress or I wouldn't look good in that dress. 
So that's what's, and again, I don't like binary language. I try to keep everything very, uh, it's impossible in, in this culture, but when I talk about men, it's only to look at it as a reference point that, huh, I'm sure they struggle with image as well, but they have a shirt, a pair of pants and a jacket done, right? That's not our dilemma. It's <laughs> so, true. I think that is part of the issue and why we struggle more. And I also think it goes back to the other thing that I said, for the same reason, that because we dress differently, we're under more scrutiny in the public eye. Um, and it's just something to look at and examine and, and feel into ourselves, how does that feel? Right. How, how do I want to participate in this or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting about the men thing, because I reflect back to, well, a couple of things. My husband has been, he has a lot of shirts and he's, and he was trying to kind of weed out different, you know, through his closet. So he took this challenge of not wearing the same shirt, you know, see how long he could go without repeating the same shirt. And so he's been able to go through that. And like, we can't do that. We don't just wear a shirt, you know, a button down shirt every day, you know, it might be a t-shirt, it might be a sweater. Like you said, it's, you know, so I th found that interesting. And he came in to say goodbye to me the other day and he says, I'm on day, I forget what it was, <laughs> but he was on day such and such from not repeating. And he's been able to clean some things out and whatnot. But I also remember, and I think this is part of, when you think about that, like in the work, in the workforce, and again, things have changed, but say for instance, you know, male, female workforce, a male either wears the suit or like you said, a pair of dress pants, a shirt and a jacket. And it wouldn't matter if he's this executive or that, but exactly. I was, you know, but I, when I was in medical sales um, and I always love to just, I love to put color in my wardrobe. I love to dress pretty sharp and cool and stuff like that. But I remember when I interviewed for a medical sales job with, and I'm pretty sure it was Johnson and Johnson. And I was fascinated by the idea of, because I'm a nurse, and there are jobs in medical sales where you can go and be in an emergency or in an operating room and you're selling like staples or internal staples or different, you know, equipment that's used in an operating room. And so I was like, as a nurse, that would be awesome. And I'm there side by side with the doctors. But boy, with Johnson and Johnson, I was told by the recruiter that I was working with that I had to wear a blue suit. And it needed to be, I mean, I had to be conservative, blue suit, you know, the most conservative that I could be in order to just be able to be considered for that job, let alone what my talent was or what my skill was, I had to dress a certain way. And I just, that just came up. I thought that was really, you know, interesting that they had that standard, which wasn't in the job description, right? But people knew from experience, you better dress a certain way or you're out from the beginning. Exactly. So this is what I find fascinating, Moira, because we have choices as women and we want those choices, but it's that same thing that gets us into trouble because we have choices. I went to Catholic school for a, a certain period in my, in my early years and we had uniforms and at the time, I was too little to, you know, deconstruct it and take it down. But now I understand the reason for that. 
I I get it. I, again, I don't I don't I can't even really weigh in and go now. Great idea, bad idea. I can look at both and go, huh? I can see how this is beneficial. I can see how it cuts into our freedom of self-expression. But it is that freedom of self-expression right now that is also getting us into trouble. So what I try to point out to women is to just notice these things and, and really check in with how they feel in their bodies and decide for themselves what is working and what isn't. And if it's not working, you know, here are some solutions to help you feel better. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, so many things. Um, and it could be culture. It could be religion. It could be just, you know, lots of things that get, you know, get in the way. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, how do you, again, how, besides that, again, noticing that and how it makes you feel like how, um, I mean, can you share a couple of things that are helpful? Oh, yeah, absolutely. As we get to that noticing and we feel, I was like, okay, I need to make some changes so that I feel better about myself or, again, feel more free to self-express. Yes. Um, the first one you, you actually mentioned uh, is to really recognize that it's not, if, if you're carrying around feelings, bad feelings about the way you look at it is not your fault. It's just not your fault. So that's a bit of a, uh, if women hear that, it, it takes one of the layers of what's wrong with me off right away. Okay, so if it's not my fault, huh, now what? So one of the uh, practices that I, um, I like to get women is to look in the mirror and I mean, there's a big thing out there with affirmations, you are beautiful and all that stuff, and that's all fine. But I encourage women to look in the mirror and connect with what I call their innocence. And that is the little girl inside of them who has been experiencing life in all its wonderfulness and in all its trials and hone in on those things that are what we referred to earlier, the conditioning that they got, the, the, I, uh, I was called chubby when I was little or, oh, yeah, I remember the years when I was a cutter or whatever it is. Or when my boss said, don't you wish you had a figure like your younger sister? Whatever it is, we all have these stories and just realize that those were when we connect with our innocence. But uh, yeah, I don't always talk in a linear fashion, so I hope you follow this. When we connect with our innocence, we can really feel into that little, that young person that has been damaged by these um, comments, these um, behaviors from other people about the way we look. We are born into these bodies. Some people will say that we choose them. I don't know. Maybe we do. I don't know. It's an interesting question, but when we can connect with our innocence and realize that we, we look in the mirror and say, oh, I look terrible, I look old, I look fat, that's who we're talking to. We're talking to that, that infinite being inside of us, and we're actually hurting her. And when we can sense into that and feel that, it also helps us make a shift because we can go, oh, 
I don't really want to hurt myself that way. And again, we need more tools to unwind from this, but that's a really powerful exercise. I actually put up a picture of myself when I was five next to my mirror uh, in the bathroom. And she's, when I was five and really short bangs and kind of choppy haircut like I do now, but at the time I thought, oh, I'm ugly. I look like a boy. And when I revisited that picture recently, I went, oh, you're so sweet. You know, I could connect. Uh, many of us are mothers. We can connect with that little girl. We can connect with her struggle and just put her little picture up there and talk to her and help her find your innate beauty. So that's an, a second one. And um, the third one is tied on to that. Um, it's really making the commitment to restoring your connection to your beauty. And it's first by becoming aware of your self-talk, right? And that's what we just, we, I just mentioned with the innocence and then reframing that negative self-talk. So what I mean by that is an exercise I do with women on where are you now and who do you want to be? So for instance, um, somebody would look in the mirror and let's pick three words. I look fat, old, and uh, unattractive. I'm just throwing words out there because many of us do this every single day. But so I, I have this process where I help women identify three words that is who that really uh, illustrates who they are, are really deeply on the inside and who they're becoming. And what we get to are words like intelligent, powerful, and inspiring. And when we can start to adopt these words as who we are, when we look in the mirror, it's a bit like affirmations, but it's a little bit deeper because we're choosing words that resonate with us, that are particular to us. We're not all going to have the same three words. So that's another practice and something I actually am very, very good at helping women with. And I love it. It's so much fun. Um, but that's a, those are a couple ideas. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, um, I don't know if I say this all the time on the podcast, but I will certainly say it now that um, part of the reason for my podcast is for me. <laughs> it's been a healing journey to speak with others. It's been a learning journey for me. And I love to, I mean, you know, as we've talked about, it, I love to connect with others and get to know them. And so part of the reason why I do this is for me. And then the other part is to share with the world and whatnot. And I've decided based on our conversation today, I'm going to post this. So when you're listening to this, um, it's going to be the day that I'm in a competition, a ballroom dance competition. And I, again, I'm like so thankful that we set this up because these are exactly things that I need to practice. And I will tell you that I will. And I'm going to tell you it will be, and I will do it. I'm just, um, just telling you that I will because I know that it's a like I went out to dinner last night with a, a fellow student, dance student, who unfortunately had to back out of this competition, but she's been in several before. And so she wanted some help with nutrition. And she said, I'll give you some winning tips. And we spent a wonderful four hours together oh. just talking about so many things. That's but sweet. we talked about these things like this is the story. And this is and again, when you're in a dance competition, you've got to take it to the, you know, you got to take it to the next level. And I believe that these tips, just what you shared, are going to be so helpful for me to stand in front of that mirror and talk to that 
you know, little child, if you will, who just wanted some attention and just wanted somebody to notice her. Yeah. And, um, and to realize that it was okay for her to be a little bit different and a little bit unique. Yeah. I mean, that's what came up for me last night when I was at dinner and um, about like the things that get in my way and that that's, but, you know, I get emotional about it as a 57 year old woman. But when I think back to my upbringing, that's really all I wanted. Right. I just wanted, at least I know that I can say, right. Yes. To myself. I mean, I just wanted to be noticed and I knew yeah. that I was, I would knew that I was different than my sisters and I loved my sisters, but their personalities are different than mine. Yeah. And I, for so long thought that there was something wrong with me because of that. And there isn't anything, but no. I need to go back to that. I've done inner child work. You know, I think about inner child work when you mention that, like it is so, it's so freeing and, and very emotional. But when you can connect with that young child who's sitting there and saying, tell me how you feel. And then you can tell that child that it's okay, you yeah. know, and I'm going to be telling myself it's okay to, to go and, you know, shine on the dance floor and to do this. And like, it's, and you're inspired. I love that whole inspiring because, you know, that's part of my mission is that I really want to, have an influence on others and to, in a positive way and to be inspiring. And um, Oh my goodness. And when I had, when we talked before this interview, I was so inspired by you and just your candor in how you're showing up and sharing that with women. Uh, I was very profoundly affected by that Moira. So thank you for what, mm. you and what you're uh, sharing with women. We, we have a universal story in a way. Um, and I would love to still be alive when that universal story transcends where we are now and really includes all women and we cut out the competition and we can show up for a dance contest and maybe not have to be perfect. But the fact that we're showing up and we're, we're reaching outside our comfort zones is enough. And you may win that darn thing. I don't know. I hope you do. But yeah. that goal really, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is really showing up and giving it a try, giving life a try, you know, because we're also in a culture where I think, I call it celebrity culture, you know, the people that are really in the limelight that have a lot of followers and a lot of attention. And I... I, I I have really vacillated um, in myself with whether or not that's important for me. I, I tend to lean on the introvert side. We've talked about that. And, and when I really weigh in on that, I'm like, that's not important to me. What's important to me is doing really quality work and connecting. But again, we are programmed to, um, because of the culture we live in, to 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 or almost pressure to be that and not everybody can be that and I'll say again not everybody wants that right <laughs> so for you to show up and be you and say I'm here it's just so beautiful I love it it's great and I there's a part of me that wishes we could get rid of all the best language the best dress the best dancer the most beautiful I mean another thing I mentioned in my courses as little girls we're faced with this thought form 
mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all. That is in our DNA. That's problematic. <laughs> we, right? So this is, we all carry these things unknowingly and we can shine a light on it and go, ow, that's not even, that's a false premise. Right. And we don't have to have that because so many people, you know, have some traumatic event happen. And, you know, if you talk about, you know, the way that you look, you know, they ha- become paralyzed or they burned over 90% of their body. And then they realize that beauty is inside, you know, like we, I'm just here to say, you don't have to have a traumatic event in your life to be able to change those stories and to just, like you said, like move into who you are. And, and I know we've talked about this, like, I still, I'm like getting chills right now. Like it's an uncomfortable place that I have been in the last six months on that dance floor. And that's exactly what he told me last week or the beginning of this week. He said, you need to be more uncomfortable. You are doing beautifully, but you have to, he goes, I need to break you of that comfort zone that you still sit in. And it's tough. It is really tough. And I'm not doing it for fame. I'm not doing it for money. I'm just doing it because... I believe that I was divinely led to do it. And God knew that this would really have an impact on my life and perhaps influence others. So, but it's that, you know, you don't have to, again, you don't have to have a traumatic, because I've heard plenty of inspirational speakers who've had unbelievably life altering events happen. And, you know, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be that way at all. And, um, I don't know. I just, I thought of that. I'm like, cause again, so many times you're like, Oh, just, I mean, and Oh, and then what I was going to also say is that again, sometimes it's hard to stay in this, like you're changing it. You're working with someone like you or, um, but then your mother says something or your colleague says something and it just snaps you out of that. And, and so I, um, I just thought as you were talking, like, I love the fact that I've been able to find a tribe of women who support me and who love me for who I am and allow me hold space for, for me to be, be vulnerable, to be happy, sad, fat, skinny, whatever. And so I encourage people to try to try to find that. And like, we talked about that, like holding space for, I love that. I mean, I just kind of started using that term a couple of years ago, but just holding space. But it really means so much to me because I know we talked about how my dance instructor holds space for me Yes. to be incredible and awesome and everything that I can be. And that's an, it's an honor to find somebody that does that for you. And I believe it's, if it's your dance instructor or your tribe of women Like, that's what I encourage people. And I hope that you can find people can find that are listening is find those tribe of women or be it men, if you're listening, you know, um, that can hold space for you to correct you, to call you out on your bullshit, to, you know, love you and hold that space for you to be just who God created you to be. Right. Which is, I just had this word tribal come up and I think you used it. It's more of a tribal uh when we're in a tribe with women those are our reference points and our comparisons as opposed to what we're seeing on the television or in movies or in our social media feed it's more of a real real time real people 
um, experience. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Instead of uh, this morning, it's very funny. I decided to get a little more educated on TikTok. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) To understand, because as whereas you and I have discussed, we want to talk to mothers and daughters. So I want to see what the daughters are looking at. And if, if my generation uh, feels like we have trouble with beauty issues, oh my God, these girls who are younger are really struggling because every single image they see is airbrushed to the nth degree. And the perfection that they're looking at, it, it's impossible for a human being to reach. So that's a whole other layer that I really would like to start to explore, but I have to get to know the genre so I know who I'm talking to and who their heroes are and help them break down why they're wanting to cut their cut themselves or why they're wanting to completely get all the fat taken off their body or whatever it is. I mean, sometimes when I read what women are doing, I go, wow, <laughs> we've gotten so far away from our natural selves um, and that, that word body loathing, I really like, I wrote that down because that's really what it is. And that just makes my heart hurt. I don't mm-hmm. think we were designed to be, uh, so self-disparaging and something's gone, gone awry. It's gone <laughs> off the path along the way. So, but we can get back on. Mm-hmm. We just have to, um, take the time and take the intention to, to feel better and to really love ourselves as you know, that you expressed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a wonderful place to wrap it up is again, there's um, we can sit in a place where we can love ourselves and we can love our bodies, scars and all. And um, as I've said many times, as I've, interviewed people here is our scars are our story or our struggles are our story. Like it's okay. You know, God made us perfect. And then, you know, then we became unperfect with the original sin and all of that, you know, but it's okay. We don't have to be perfect, but we can. And that's, you know, we encourage others to love themselves for who they are. And, um, you know, and let's, um, Make sure that the listeners know how to reach you. If they do want to find you and connect with you, all of this will be in the show notes, of course. But just how can they find you if they want to learn more about um, your course and any of the coaching that you do, be it in their home or through Zoom? I know you shared that with me, that you're still doing some image consulting, um, even in this day and age of COVID. Oh, yes. Um, My website is annkatherine.com and it's A-N-N-C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N and everything is on there. My course, my private coaching, I do video um, background styling because I've been an interior designer as well. Um, So there are lots of resources there. And I also offer a free call. It's called Let's Chat and we can just figure out where you're at and Mm -hmm. uh, I'll answer any questions you have. Yeah, yeah. And I love that too. I offer the same thing. I call it a discovery call. Just let's hop on the phone and let's discover what we can, how we can support each other and, you know, how we can help each other. And that's great that you offer that as well. Uh, You know, I'm thrilled that you, that we've made the connection. Um, I know you reached out to me to get to know me better. And, um, and I've really enjoyed our time together here and even um, prior to this. And I know we're going to be, collaborating and doing some work together again to just help support moms and daughters and know that um, 
that it's okay to love ourselves. And any last words that you'd like to leave the listeners? No, I, I really, I just wanted to thank you so much for the opportunity because this is a big deal with women. Yeah, I do have some last words. It is, I believe we want to look and feel attractive, but we are kind of stuck in a game that isn't working for us. So how do we keep that? I want to look and feel attractive, but not be bogged down by uh, other people's expectations of us. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Myra. You are welcome. Thank you, Anne. And again, listeners, thanks for um, coming back. You know, you'll, I'm sure, as my one dance instructor said, I can't wait for your next podcast about ballroom dancing. So again, as you listen to this, um, I'm sure perhaps I'm finished with my competition and I'll share with that about that experience on a future episode. But again, I love these conversations that we can have to just be real, to just be open. And as I close every episode, I just say, you know what, we all deserve to live a great life. And I encourage you to find if you need some help, reach out to either one of us, we're here to support you. Because I believe that again, we were all created to live our best life. And um, uh, I'm here to share that that story of hope and inspiration with you. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.